You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, joined today with co-host Robert Jackson. As always, we get uh, you know wide receiver from the University of Utah, Solomon Enos, with us on Mondays. Um, we're happy to have him with us for another day of, of podcast information. So before we jump into the game, though, I want to make sure that we talk about the biggest thing happening today, which is clearly... Halloween. <laughs> Perfect drop, right? Like we're doing this. So are you are you a Halloween guy? Uh I am. I wish I I wish I could celebrate it. But I mean I am, especially my girlfriend, she's very big on it. Like we like this weekend we were in candy making like bags and stuff and gonna hand it out to the kids and stuff like that. Um I was gonna dress the dog up this year. A little <laughs> wiener dog. I don't know what we we're gonna dress him up as, but yeah, I mean, my girlfriend loves Halloween, so, yeah. Are, are you the, the type of person that uh, plans for this costume forever, or is it just kind of like, look, I'll wear whatever? Yeah, I think for me, it's just like, what, like, screw it. If you got something for me, I'm going to wear it. I don't really plan anything out. My girlfriend's like that. My mom is really into Halloween. When I was back in Arizona, we would always decorate the house, like, around this time of year. Like, she would go, she'd be like, let's go to Lowe's or Home Depot and go, or whatever to find decorations and she'd buy like the biggest ones and we would set them up but me i'm just i mean i just like i mean it's halloween it's candy that's my thing it's just the candy within the within the holiday so so what's your candy then what's your favorite oh okay so i'll say my favorite chocolate is kit kats there you go so that's <laughs> yeah, my favorite solo right there that's 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 where it's at yep um we're gonna do this again that, where we're dividing us again is this what we're doing yeah for real like not spicy candy <laughs> good candy i need it with milk <laughs> have you ever had those uh, mexican suckers that have like the chili pepper on it and stuff i have that's why i, was, I love mexican candy i love I it i love it it's great anyway yeah. sorry yeah but other than that i mean i'm more of like a i'm not a big chocolate guy i'm more of like a like a gelatin like like gummy like chewy candy like sour worms or like um Damn, I can't think of them, but yeah, just stuff like that. I mean, I don't, I, I can't really pinpoint it, but I will say my favorite chocolate is Kit Kats for sure. I'm, I'm already coaching my littles to to pick the Kit Kat or the Twix or the Snickers out of the bucket because they don't know, right? They're just gonna grab whatever they see. Like, no, put, put put down the milk duds, put down the junior mints, grab the good stuff. Oh yeah, no, definitely. We get you got to put a scouting report together for that. Yeah, you know, you know, it's all, it's like calling plays, right? Can't Unless you get you that are, one house. You guys are disrespecting the, the, the best candy of them all. It's the Reese's, right? Like, come on. Well, you can't go wrong with a peanut butter cup. You can't. And I'll if you throw that. them in the fridge, they're pretty good. That's true. Ooh, I haven't tried that. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, when I get Reese's, I always bring them home because my girlfriend loves them. So I throw them in the fridge for her for when she gets home from work. But, like, other than that, like, you can't go wrong with Reese's. I just get overwhelmed with the peanut butter sometimes. Like, sure. sometimes I'm not craving that but like the Kit Kat is just like chocolate and it's crispy and it can't go wrong every time <laughs> I love it we're gonna have the rankings of uh sponsored by Kit Kat <laughs> yeah. give me a break comment below, comment <laughs> below what your break. favorite candy is <laughs> we're just gonna take it all just give us whatever you want so I mean yeah. it's it's hard to hate candy right like I mean is there a candy that when you were growing up if you went trick-or-treating or you did anything like that was there anything that was just like nah uh-uh uh 
easily Tootsie Rolls, Milk Duds, Three Musketeers, Milky Ways. Oh yeah, Whoppers. Is that what it is? Whoppers. They're fine. I mean, they're just like yeah. what? What do you <clears throat> eat? Like it's gross. It's like your. Uh, I don't know. Whoppers. I feel like Whoppers are like an for, old for person. For me, it's the coconut, like the almond joy. Like yeah, garbage. I'll, I'll eat Throw those. Yeah, no, I eat those. You're on your own with that one, Rob. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll die on that one. Coconut doesn't doesn't uh, belong in candy. You I didn't those. know. Good. Oh, I was just gonna say you need those like orange peanut, you know, packing peanut type candies that are the gross. Oh, those are terrible. Uh, <laughs> we get like the grand, the grandfather candy where it's like the Werther's original. Yeah, and oh, Werther's, man. you know, look, they can have their place. <laughs> okay, you're getting old now. <laughs> now back to your almond joy argument. As a kid, I didn't understand and didn't make sense to me, so I did not touch it. But I think as I got older, I was like, maybe I'm gonna give it a chance, and I can I can rock with it a little bit. Yeah, maybe maybe an occasional dive into it. Yeah. Oh man, but I'm trying to think. There's definitely one. Oh, I don't like um, I don't like candy corn like that oh, at gross. all. Yeah, candy. Does candy anybody corn. actually eat candy corn? Or I is don't it just know. for decorations? I, like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody actually partake. I think like, I've eaten it, it, right? Like I've I've eaten it, but it's just it, not like the good. jars on the counter. Or... Yeah, you eat it. I'm, no, I don't. I'm saying I, I have eaten it, but it's like it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, the, I, I've I've seen people it's that like do like candle wax. Oh, it is, <laughs> and I feel like I've seen people do like different variations, like a caramel apple or something. I feel like that would be maybe better, but it's still like you said, it's like eating a candle. Like, why do I want that? Yeah. No, yeah, that's. I loved your reaction though when he was like, "You eat that?" He said, "No, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> you were making sure he knew that you don't eat that. I agree though. I, Look, I I'll can't take mess hot with candy. Takes, but I'm not gonna go with that stuff. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> then no disrespect to anyone out there that likes candy corn, but no full disrespect. I, I think no. <laughs> I think Steve Bartle doesn't he like candy corn like that? I think you're right. I we're gonna have to have a that, talk with him today. That that's an automatic block. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna tell him. Sorry, sorry, Steve. You've been cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a what a time to be alive, right? Debating mm-hmm. candy corn, debating whether almond joys are worth it. I don't know. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's a good. I guess it's a, it's either chicken or candy. I mean, I'm I'm wondering what next week we're gonna talk about, but can't oh, we'll, go wrong. We'll find something. We you know look, we're we're waiting until somebody sponsors us on a food side, so. We'll just keep bringing things up until somebody does it. Hey, Pretty Bird. Um, uh, <laughs> just, That'd be great. Yeah. Who doesn't love a hot, hot chicken sandwich? Look, Lucky Thirteen. I'm, I'm open every Ooh. time. Lucky Thirteen. I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. Yeah, these are some good choices. Yeah. Look. Oh, Lucky Thirteen. That. What is that habanero burger? It's the oh, like fire fire in the hole. I think I get that one every time. Man. Oh, every time. Oh, oh yeah. no, I can't do that. Oh yeah. No. No. It depends. Sometimes they don't put as many spices or peppers on it, so it, it's not as hot. But I remember one time after the the very first time I tried it, they didn't put as many peppers on it, so I was like, ah, this isn't that bad. And the next time, I mean, they put a lot more habaneros on there, and I was like, oh, okay, this is a this is a little bit spicier. I mean, I'll still eat it, but yeah, I was eating with my girlfriend, and we got the same burger, and she bit into hers, and she was like, wow, this is hot. And I bit into mine, I'm like, what are you talking about? And I took another <laughs> bite. And all the peppers were like clumped in the middle. So my first bite had nothing. The second one had everything. And I was like, oh, I had to finish it because we bought it. But, oh, man, no, I, I needed milk <laughs> after that. I needed Cold Stone ice cream after that. I'll see Cold Stone. You can come too. <laughs> yeah, for real. We need that sponsorship. 
We, oh, that's that's next. We'll keep that next week. Next week we'll, we'll talk ice cream. Okay, we'll uh, combos. We'll give our lowdown on that. <laughs> oh, you guys are making me hungry. I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should talk about actual football. I think that's what you're uh, you're going to the University of Utah for. I mean, it's an education, right? But I mean. Football is kind yeah. of important. Athletes, I mean, student athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just kind of recap that game for us. Obviously, it was uh, it was a pivotal game in the sense that you needed to get a win to keep your aspirations for a championship alive. Um, obviously, it didn't come in the best circumstances because Cam was you know, expected to go. He was out there warming up, and then all of a sudden, what thirty, forty, some odd minutes before the game. Cam kind of scratches himself from the lineup. Even Kyle didn't really know uh, that until he, he said that. I mean, what what was kind of going through your guys' minds as you were going through that game, and then you find out that Cam's not going? Yeah, so, I mean, going through warm-ups, everything's normal, and then, you know, we're about to go out for the game starts, and we hear that Cam's not playing. And like we were talking about earlier, and, you know, it was more of a when, when uh, Coach Witt said Bryson was our guy, it wasn't like a, oh man, like this, he's coming in, like great. It was more of a, all right, like let's roll. It wasn't, I guess, always, it's always that next man up mentality. I mean, if you ask anyone, that's what Utah is always going to say in response is next man up, next man up. And, uh, but we felt, we always feel comfortable with Bryson, just how we were in the Rose Bowl, too. Uh, when Bryson came in on that last drive, it was just like, screw it. I mean, he knows what he's doing. We have confidence in him. He has confidence in us. And the way that he carries himself when it's his turn to step up, it's like you could just tell he's been like waiting for it, and you know he took it and you know and, and he did his thing, and it was a great game. Uh, Washington State, great team. I mean, really good team. Their defense was pretty good. Uh, you know, and our defense played a hell of a game. You know, they kept us in it, and you know when we started finally getting traction and you know getting rid of those three and outs, um, everything was clicking. And, you know, even though it was even though it was a even though it was a twenty-one to seventeen win, you know it was a win that we needed and. At this point in the season, a win's a win. So however way you get it, that's all that matters. The two games in a row that you were instrumental uh, coming down, the uh, obviously the block that you had, USC provided Cam Rising to get into the end zone for the two-point conversion. This time you get called, uh, defensive holding was called on you. Walk us through that play, you know, under a minute left, you're on the 30-yard line, and, you know, you guys decide to go for it instead of trying to a long field goal. Kind of walk us through that play and, um, you know, what, uh, you know, kind of how you were feeling on that one. So I had a corner route, so I tried to wrap the defender. And when I was breaking out of my route, I felt like he straight grabbed me, like was like grabbed me, maybe a little face mask, a little shoulder pads, whatever, whatever. Football is football. And when I was coming out of it, you know, he was just holding me and stuff, and I felt like he tugged me down. So when I fell, like, I, I fell, and I looked up, and then Bryson had thrown it. So then it was a pick. But my first instinct was, I mean, if they're not throwing a flag, get up and go make a tackle because we need it. So I got up. Uh, I forgot who else made the tackle. But we made the tackle, and then the flags came out because, I mean, I'm not going to say it. It's on the TV copy. Yet. But, uh, yeah, I just... P.I. at his finest, I guess. You know, I was coming out of the break, and I got pulled down. Like, I think it was pretty – I don't know. You guys tell me how did that look on TV. It was pretty obvious. The, even even the player that did it, uh, I think it was Smith Wade, he, he, he knew that he had done it, um, which, you know, he's trying to make a play. You know, you can't really fault him, but uh, at the same time, you know, uh, you can't <laughs> – I, I think they call it defensive holding uh, and not P.I. because uh, mm. I don't think the pass was thrown. Um, but uh, – 
regardless, it gave you guys the first down, and you guys were able to milk out the clock. And and, and it was a game where you guys, you know, you, that that first opening drive, there was a lot of uncertainty, right? Because everybody's expecting, you know, Cam to be out there, Bryson's out there, and you guys, you know, marched it down the field. You had uh, a missed field goal, but it kind of set the tone for the game. How important is it to to get off on the right foot in a game like that, where you're on the road? Uh, your starting quarterback's not playing. I mean, I, I'd imagine that you don't have a ton of experience in a situation like that, but you kind of have to have a few things go in your favor to get the win, and you guys just did just enough, uh, you know, last Thursday and uh, against Washington State. Yeah, I mean, we just leaned on each other and made it go. I think our defense, like I said, played a hell of a game, and they helped us when we needed traction. They were making a lot of plays. Special teams paid off, especially that big um, that uh, that punt that I believe it was off of his foot. Um, that helped. That was a big momentum changer, and I'm glad we took advantage of that. Um, there was kind of, you know, we benefited from one iffy targeting call. I'm not a ref, so I can't, I can't decide what it is, but we benefited off of that. And then obviously we had the other targeting call on RJ. You know, you, targeting is such a touchy subject. I'm not even going to touch it and tap into that. But, you know, I think it was just an overall team effort. I mean, you know, you have games where it's offense is doing this, defense is doing that, or, you know, special teams is doing this. But I feel like we played a very complete game, and we needed it, especially this one. So, you know, like I said, a win's a win, no matter if it's by one point or by 30. Um, you know, I'm glad that, you know, we got out of there with a W. And it's just, I think it's something on Twitter that Utah hasn't won at Washington State in a long time or something like that. And I didn't even 20, know that. 2011, yeah. So Jeez. over 10 years. Yeah, so you know, it's just it was good to get a win, no matter how or what the what the scorecard said. But uh, we definitely needed it. I think everyone leaned on each other, and you know, I think we played a very complete game. You know, it, it not only was it Utah's first win; it was the first time that you've had a quarterback throw a touchdown pass since uh, joining the Pac-12. The only other touchdown pass came from a punter on a trick play, and I think it was in that 2011 win. Um, talk talk about you know how much of a stud Dalton Kincaid is. We all saw it. He was he played he played hurt and ended up still scoring a touchdown on the play. I mean, let's talk about his toughness and, and you know how that kind of maybe has a mark on some of the younger players coming up and they, they see it, you know, a player out there that's battling, it's clear that he's hurt and he's still able to score a touchdown. Like just talk about his toughness and how it can have an effect on a on a young team. Yeah, Dalton is just he's just a hell of a player. Um, loves the game, does everything the right way. Um, definitely one of our focal points when Brant went down. I mean, he was always a focal point, but that role definitely increased since Brant got injured. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's tough as nails. I mean, that's just, I think it's a credit to not only the individual that plays at Utah, but I think what Utah brings in based off what they see as a tough person and what we need for the program. I think our our team is just full of tough dudes. Um, you know, it goes on display that Dalton is one of them because, I mean, he's fighting through those injuries. Um, and he's making plays while doing it, you know, but it's a testament to everybody that has, you know, that's, that's tough. Just like our old block, like our old line is one of the toughest that we, people that we got on the team. Um, I guarantee you Cam would have pushed through, even if he had a, you know, um, hop around on one leg. That's just like, that's just how competitive and, and tough our guys are on our team. But back to Dalton. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it takes a lot to just, you know, keep going, taking shots, keep making plays and, you know, cause the team needs him. And, uh, you know, just tough as nails. I can't say more about it. 
You're obviously getting to that time of the year where, where players are getting dinged up. I mean, I don't think there's probably anybody that hasn't at least gotten some extent of an injury. Obviously, there's guys that are more, like you said, Dalton. Uh, you know, we're not going to get into whether he plays this weekend or not. That's that's not for us to say right here. Um, but, you know, you've got him. You've got Makai, who, who, you know, by all accounts, probably shouldn't even have suited up based on what he went through earlier and, and everything that's going on with him. But, you know, do you, do you guys get... Like, does it change your mindset when these types of things happen? Obviously, you know, injuries happen. You've seen this throughout your entire career. But does it change your mindset at all? Or, or, or how does that, how do you guys kind of use that as a motivating factor? Or do you at all? I mean, like I always say, it's always next man up at Utah. But, I mean, we just got tough dudes just in that locker room, man. Like, we got dudes that know they can't go but still want to try to go. Like, when I was hurt, I was still trying to run around and practice. Even when I wasn't traveling, I was still trying to play because I didn't want to miss games at all. Like, I wanted to be with the guys because it, it just didn't feel right sitting at home, not you know, or not being there with them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just – I think that's just how Utah operates. I mean, you have to be tough to play here. And, you know, a lot of the guys are just that. And, um, you know, I think that really – like, back to Rob's question, I think that really radiates throughout the rest of the team in the sense of – you know, the younger guys seeing that, like, I mean, football, they always tell us that your body's not going to feel the same right when, right when fall camp starts. They're like, your body's not going to feel the same as it is right now. And it's true. I mean, that's from here to NFL. I mean, you take it how you want it, but that's just the name of the game. But, you know, definitely having tough guys to lean on um, definitely benefits. And uh, I think that was tying it back to the game. That was one of the key reasons why we won that game. I'm curious your perspective on injuries, because uh, in the NFL, they obviously have like an injury port. <laughs> Guys know who's in, who's out, that kind of stuff. In the college game, obviously, you don't have that. There's not a universal system. The NCAA isn't, isn't asking for that. So Kyle obviously likes to keep it a little bit more in-house. If, if you were in charge of all this, would you like a universal report? Does that help you? Or do you feel like you like it the way that it is where it's just coaches can kind of decide, you just, you just go play, right? I mean, I know you're out there on the field. You don't really care necessarily. But how, how would you approach that? I mean, college is just different than the NFL. I mean, it's so many different ways from schedules to how things are handled. And it varies from program to program. I mean, some schools probably aren't hitting during practice at this point in the season. Some schools are. You know, it really just takes an account of, you know, what, what the coaches are trying to instill in his players. And, um, you know, I don't know if I would really change it or not. Um, that's as easy as it sounds It's or as easy as it is seems to answer. I don't know if I would change it just because, I mean, it's college football. I guess you could say, like, the injury reports, if you're going to put somebody on there, but then again, it, like, changes. Maybe that week they're playing, you got to take them off. You know, I'm not really sure how those rules work. But, uh, I mean, at that point, it just it comes down to football and just being pre prepared for, you know, whoever you're playing in the scheme. And, you know, you got to be prepared for if this guy's playing. But if not, then, I mean, you just got to adjust and go from there. Um, and I think that's what good teams do. I think that's what great teams do. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know if I would change it or not. With uh, so I want to ask one more question about Washington State. But you guys obviously came back out with the helmets of of Aaron and Ty. Um, obviously, those two two guys they passed away after the Washington State game. Did that play into that that reason for wanting to wear it there, or was it just? I guess what went into the reason for wanting to wear that helmet again? Yeah, I think it was down to the captains because, um, uh, you know, they discussed the the uniform combos and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, I mean, even when Coach Witt brought it up before we went out on the field, I was just like, dang, like, 
it's crazy how that happened. Like back to back years, same team, same location of the game, you know, and I think it was only right to do so, you know, um, just another, just another way of, you know, remembering those guys and honoring those guys. And I mean, obviously, yeah, it helps with the motivational point or part, but I mean, it's bigger than that. You know, it's, it's doing the right thing and honoring, honoring them the right way, especially on a Thursday night game where there's not really any other games playing. Uh, so I think it was only right to do that, to do that. And it did garner a lot of national respect from a lot of the national media and fans across the country that were able to tune in and, and see you guys play, you know, in a game, like you said, where there's not a lot of other games on uh, and, and to see you guys honor, you know, Ty and Aaron in that regard. So that was, that was pretty awesome. And, you know, good job from, 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 you know, all fans at the university of Utah. I mean, you guys represented those two with, with utmost class and respect. And that was really awesome to see, um, you know, but you know, it, it's tough. You know, you got to move forward. Uh, you have a game this week against a really good Arizona team, although their record doesn't really indicate that. You know, they, they played a lot of tough teams, they have a really good offense. What can you tell us about Arizona and what we can expect, you know, this, this Saturday? Yeah. So especially last year, I feel like a lot of people thought that Arizona wasn't good. I think, they were, I thought they were a good team, but they had a lot of injuries. And uh, I think now, like, they're getting a lot of people, they're getting a lot of people back, especially from last year. Got a couple transfers coming in. Um, I mean, same thing as last year. I mean, they're a great team. Their defense has athletes all around the field. They can spread them out. They play different positions depending on what the situation is. Uh, obviously, you guys see the offense. I mean, I was watching that SC game a little bit too. And, you know, they got playmakers. They got, uh, that good quarterback back there. And uh, I think the running back's pretty solid too. Um, but, you know, this week, like I always say, week in, week out on the podcast, you know, we're just going to take it day by day, uh, you know, prepare the way that we we're supposed to prepare, you know, and, and get ready to play Utah football on Saturday. Um, I'm glad we're back in Rice Cycle Stadium. I think that's, you know, I love playing there. I don't, I wouldn't want to play anywhere else. Uh, so that's definitely exciting. And, uh, you know, it's a 530 game. So hopefully, you know, that's a good time for people to come out. Um, but yeah, we're just gonna take it day by day by day, practice, get the reps in, watch film, and you know, prepare to play Utah football on Saturday. Do you feel like this year, maybe as opposed to different years, that uh, the the level of the Pac-12 has increased, that it allows you guys to maybe focus on individual teams a little bit better? I mean, I, I I'm not gonna have you say it, but like individually, like I can't imagine that. Uh, it's easy to go from a USC to an Arizona or a Colorado sometimes who clearly their record isn't the same. They're not competing in the same realm, but do you feel like with everybody that's generally kind of improved this year that you feel like it's easier to kind of focus on that or, or, or do you guys even notice any of that? I don't really know if we notice any of it just because we're always just focused on the team of the week. You know, we're not really looking too far ahead and we're try- when we definitely don't try to look back in the past. Um, it's just the mantra of trying to go one to know every week. I think that's what's pitiful or not pitiful, <laughs> wrong word choice. That's the point of success for our program is looking just for the week that we're in right now, not looking too far ahead. Cause when you start looking too far ahead, that's when the carpet slips under your feet or the rug does. So it's like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't really, I don't think any of the guys do that. I think our culture is built around, you know, this game is the most important game of the season week in, week out. And that's the only game that we have to focus on. Well, it's, it's tough because you guys are essentially locked into the four way race with Oregon, uh, USC and UCLA for that, that spot. Do you, do you feel like it's changed this year now that you don't have necessarily to worry about the South? 
it's crazy because like when they brought that up, I was just like, well, how is this going to work? Because I guess it was a little bit, there's pros and cons to everything. Like, for example, with the North and South, you could lose all your conference games and then go undefeated and league play and still make it, you know. But, I mean, this year it makes sense. I think they may really made this change just to try to get more um, more of a chance for a Pac-12 team to be in the playoff. And I think that's that was the push. Um, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't in that office when they made those decisions. I'm not – that's above my pay grade. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if I would switch back or forth. I mean, there's pros and cons to both of them for sure. Obviously, the rankings come out tomorrow. Do you guys pay attention to that? What rankings? The the college football playoff. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> no. Oh, oh, the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The playoff they that, come out. That was a good answer, Tuesday. even though you. Uh... <laughs> well, I thought you meant like the Pac-12 comes out with rankings, oh, like a, teams in order every week. I was like, I didn't even know they did that. You sounded like Coach Witt there for a little bit. Uh, no. What rankings? Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No, I remember they said, well, like the little TV show, right? Like they do, like on ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember you, that. You guys were in practice during that time. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine you guys ever watched that show. Yeah. I, I forgot when the last time I watched that show was. I usually just see it on Twitter if I'm scrolling through. I'm like, oh, we're ranked this. <laughs> you know? So I, I can't imagine there's there's a lot of uh, of looking at I, I don't know I think it's kind of funny that uh, a lot of a lot of people put a, a, so much stock into these rankings and I, and I get it right like you kind of have to judge teams and if you are using a committee to to do that it, it makes sense to rank them but it, it, it's funny that like the whole narrative around a season is is defined that way you know where it's just like well are you a playoff team if not no you know you're not a good team and I don't know I I think you kind of lose some aspects of that where, uh, you know, you, you're, you're overlooking good teams that may not be one of the best four in the, t- in the country because, you know, they, they're not a playoff team. I don't know. It, it just seems weird to me that that's how, how it's approached. Yeah. I mean, just with voting and everything, it, it's, I agree. It's just crazy. Like, for example, I was watching Ohio State Penn State game this weekend, this past weekend, and Ohio State's a really good team. And I think, but the thing is though, they're ranked, I mean, that's, it's pretty much pre like if you get that preseason ranking and you hold on to that, if you don't lose, I mean, you can't move anywhere. It's not like they can drop you or anything, but I think that was their first ranked win of this year, I believe. And they've been number two, number three or top four, mm-hmm. you know? So, and not discredit to Ohio State, they're a damn good football team, you know, watching them play. But like, see, like that's how the voting is like kind of weird in that aspect of like, you got other teams that's playing ranked teams. And then like, there's kind of like these barriers of like, well, if they're undefeated, put them up here. If they're a one-loss team, put them here. If they're a two-loss team, because we've been, like, the only two-loss team, like, the highest of a two-loss team to be ranked for, like, a couple weeks or something like that. Um, but then again, it's it's above my pay grade. I just got to do my job, you know. But it's definitely interesting how they how they structure it and, and lay it out for sure. Do you pay attention to maybe the teams that you've played that are out of conference? I mean, like, I, I see Utah fans. They're they're far more interested in what Florida does this year. They're far more interested in what Ohio State's doing this year because you guys played them. Obviously, you know, they saw the talent. They saw different things that way. But do you guys get that same way, or or, or how do you kind of approach that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I watch college football, so I'll tune in the teams that we played and see what they're doing and, you know, it's just watching the game. I'm just student of the game, love the game, so I watch no matter who's playing. But, I mean, it's hard to say, like, watching a team is just, like, 
damn, this isn't what we thought they were going to be. I mean, it was just, you already played that game about two months ago. You can't change it. I mean, it was like, if it's, for example, Florida, uh, first game, new coaching staff, new schemes, didn't have, like, we try to watch as much film as we can. I mean, we just didn't play our best game, and that's that's what it is, you know? And then teams started rolling and catching on to it, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. But, I mean, we lost that game. You know, they Florida played a good game, and we didn't play our best. And that's just how the cards fall sometimes. So I think the biggest thing is, is just, like, that's what makes college football so exciting is just it's always a roller coaster. Like, for example, Oklahoma State played Kansas State, and Oklahoma State was ranked number nine, I think, and Kansas State 22, and they beat them 40 Forty to something, mm-hmm. like, forty-eight to snip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just never know. Like it's just a roller coaster. I think that's why people love it so much because, like NFL, you got all those like good teams. Like the Bills played the Packers last night, and you know they did their thing. And then if you, I'm not gonna say any teams on here because I know there's like loyal fan bases and stuff. But if there's this one team, you're like, oh, I don't know if I like their chances. But like with college football, anything can happen. And I think that's what makes it so exciting and what makes people tune into it. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I agree with you. Like you see, you got people still tweeting about games that's happened almost three months ago. It's true; they, they can't you know? let it go. Almost right. Yeah, it's just it's just that's just a result of college football, in my opinion. <laughs> Get diagnosed with college football syndrome. That's right. I, you know, I love it, right? Like, it, it's been kind of nice the last couple of weeks because uh, you guys haven't had a game on Saturday, so I just sit at home and watch a lot of college football and. Uh, it, it's a little different because it's like I, I turn into a couch potato because all I do is watch college mm-hmm. football, and it's not a bad thing. I'll take it. Well, as an AP yeah. voter, aren't you supposed to at least watch the majority of the games that you're you're ranking, right? And I I look at the ballots of some of the other uh, AP voters, and I'm not sure that they have a TV in their house. Like, you're an AP voter. So I'm the I'm you- the voter for the state of Utah. Dang, look at you. And you was asking me questions about how rankings work, but you're really one of them. Well, so I'm talking about you, Josh Perlong. Uh, the funny thing is, is like, I, I asked that question knowing full well that it's like, I find it funny that, that people get so caught up in like what I rank, right? Like whether I think you guys are 12 or 10 or, or 15, like, does it really matter? Like, I, I get it. Like you have to have a system in place and you're trying to do things that way. But it's, it's always funny to me that, uh, that people get so worked up over a ranking, especially when it's like one or two spots away from where the consensus is. So I don't yeah, know. It's, it's just reality. I mean, it's just, that's your job. You put out your opinion. That's people can't be mad at what you think, you know, even if it's not what they want to hear. It's what you think. And that's what you, you know, how you feel like, but yeah, my comment is towards you. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even know you're an AP voter. Mom. You among everybody else, they'll just get mad, right? <laughs> Let me go tweet right now at Josh for long. <laughs> we should be 10. That's what he wants. Yeah, that, that solves my problems. Let me just go tweet it. <laughs> hey, Elon, Elon Musk wants to, wants to take the verification away on Twitter now. So, uh, you got to be careful. You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get yeah. a whole new Twitter experience, right? I, I guess. I saw something. I don't know if people were making jokes, but like he was going to make people pay for the verification or something. That's what like I thought. That. I saw the same thing. Yeah, 20 bucks a month for Twitter Blue or something like that. Are you paying 20 know. bucks for that? No. No. I wouldn't. That's part of my gas tank. I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, like, what, what, I don't know, 20 bucks seems like a really dumb asking price to just verify you on Twitter. And, and maybe maybe he's got some good vision of it, but I, I can't imagine. Yeah, everybody's going to have it. I mean, everyone's going to have blue checks. And so, like, what's the, what's the point of it, you know? 
You're going to get guys right. with like 150 followers that are uh, tweeting out information as if it's fact because they have a verification now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with this whole Elon Musk thing because I didn't even because I remember he tried to buy Twitter or whatever and it fell through. But I, I guess he came back through and I don't, I don't even know. Man, I'd be out of the loop sometimes. I don't even know what's going on in the world sometimes. Honestly, yeah, if unless it's, it's not big, Twitter, I don't know. Unless it's something big, don't get me wrong. But like little stuff like that, it's just like, oh, here we go again, you know? <laughs> it's just funny, the things that people get all worked up over. I'm like, this is social media. It doesn't matter. We'll find something else if it doesn't work with Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I hop back on Instagram. Yeah, that's right. And then Elon's going to buy that. <laughs> go go get on TikTok, and you can dance all of your, uh, all of your complaints now. <laughs> all your pain and sorrows away. <laughs> <laughs> Solo's going to get on there, and he's going to dance at me because he's mad that I didn't put him at number 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. Nope. That's crazy. That is crazy. You ain't gonna see me dancing on TikTok. No. Unless it's with my mom. She makes me do those. Does she? Yeah. She gets mad when I say no to her. <laughs> That's but, awesome. No, no TikTok. I just watch the funny stuff on there. That's right. Sometimes there's really good stuff on there. Most of the time, oh, not though. Pure gems on TikTok. Look, when it gems. was when we were in that like COVID lockdown, I I think I. I, all I did was just scroll through those things. Because what else are you supposed to do? Like, we've we've seen each other as a family forever. Now we just got to go look at other stuff. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. That's why I think I downloaded it and started. I mean, there's guys on the team that make TikToks and, like, dance and stuff like that. But, no, nah, I, I ain't one of them. I'll do it for fun, but I'm not committed. You're not going to get a following for it, huh? Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> I'm stiff. I can't dance. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, we uh, we look forward to seeing what you guys do this week, uh, keeping it going, and uh, hopefully you guys get Cam back. It sounds like he's he's making some progress, or at least what Whittingham said. So, uh, you know, hopefully you get him back, and you guys can be in your full health and, and being able to do what you need to do. But uh, anything else before uh, we send you away? As always, appreciate y'all for having me. Make sure whoever's listening send it send this podcast to anybody that you know. Subscribe. You know, it's a good vibe, good times on here. And, you know, comment what you guys want us to talk about, because I guess we went from chicken to candy. So I don't know what's next. Maybe ice cream or get us some get us out of our comfort zone a little bit. But, uh, you know, looking forward to a great game this weekend. Hopefully it's great time. I think it's at 530. So hopefully everybody can come out. Um, Yeah. So looking for a great turnout and hopefully coming out with the W. So I appreciate y'all for having me. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Solo. That was fun. Ice cream. We're going to talk ice cream next time, right? Uh, like who has the best shake? Maybe. I, I, I can always go for a shake or ice cream, you know, just like, do you go like the, the hard pack or you soft serve kind of guy? Like, Ooh. I mean, suspense, right? We got to leave people on a cliffhanger. <laughs> and... Let's do some research, you know. And... <laughs> ice cream rankings. Let's do it. <laughs> I, uh, I love it. No, I, I, I thought that uh, Solo did great. And the, the, uh, the vibe coming from that game, like, I was pretty optimistic, you know, for Utah, um, just coming off that huge win versus USC, you know, historically Kyle Whittingham always does well off a of bye week has having his team extra prepared. And then you see, you know, Tavion didn't travel with the team. You see Micah Bernard, like you, you saw some preliminary reports that he's not going to play, but then you see him warming up. So you're like, okay, you know, maybe he's going to give it a go. And then you see Cam rising, uh, wearing the yellow Jersey on the sideline. And you're thinking, well, this could be a long day, right? Like, you're looking like, oh, man, like, 
Pac-12 After Dark, Throne of Palouse, whatever, like Haunted Vibes, whatever it might be, you're thinking great. And Utah's offense took the field first, marched right down the field. Granted, they missed a field goal, but I feel like it more importantly set the tone that, yes, we can drive. We can play with Bryson Barnes under center. And he made some really good throws. The throw to Jalen Dixon, you know, came on a, like a third and long, uh, 25-yard pass. I mean, that was, that was a game changer. Um, he had a long run, like a 55 yard run himself showed that his mobility, he can scramble, uh, drew the late, uh, holding call on solo, you know, threw the ball up there uh, that, you know, allowed Utah to milk to milk the clock at the end. And, you know, you, you look at Utah years past, you know, at the 30 yard line, maybe they kick the field goal, try to take a seven point lead, or maybe you do a pooch punt, try to pin them. Like Kyle Whittingham went for the win. Like, no, like we're going to win this game. And you've seen that a couple of times now, you know, like the USC game where they had the chance just to tie it with the extra point. And they said, no, we're going to, we're going to go for the win. Um, And it happened to be the right decision. So um, that was, that was really awesome to see uh, Utah come away with the win. It wasn't pretty, um, but when you're down that many guys, and, and this is the difference between Utah in 2022 versus Utah in 2014, 2015, 2016, where, you lose your starters and your backups are, you know, not up to par. That they couldn't carry you. And this year, Utah's backups <laughs> across the board, like you lost your starting safety due to a targeting call. And so you had somebody else have to step in against one of the, you know, better passers in all of the Pac-12. So, I mean, that to me, I mean, across the board, Utah showed grit, determination. It wasn't a perfect game. I mean, you, you miss a field goal. You have a botched handoff attempt, you know, that kind of gave – Washington State some life. He had blown coverage by uh, one of your best defenders in Clark Phillips. He just happened to fall down on the play. Like, you know, it did, it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough for the win, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I think there was there was a lot of things that you could break down in that game, and I think it's funny when we left uh, the, as the media when we left the game. I mean, we we kind of looked at each other and just said, "There's so many avenues to take this game." Uh, first off, obviously with Cam not going in there, I mean we knew we knew Mackay Bernard was likely not going to play, and even if he did, I mean, well, he wasn't supposed to suit up, quite honestly. Um, and so when he did suit up, that kind of changed things. Although uh, we knew that he wasn't he was going to be limited. Uh, but then when Cam didn't go in, I mean, that was a real surprise to all of us. And I felt like it took it, uh, you know, everybody even in the press box a good quarter to kind of really understand what was going on and and understand like how this is how this has all happened. Is this just a you know them just messing around or whatever? Um, we, we knew that Cam was injured, right? He was, he was a little, ho- you know, hobbling along a little bit in, in practices and stuff. But by all accounts, he was warming up fine and everything. But I think what, what Bryson did was, uh, you know, you know uh, admirable. Uh, he, w- he was able to keep the, the game going. I think the most telling thing about that, like you mentioned with Kyle, just being a little bit more aggressive and, and not just trying to play it safe, uh, is the fact that, you know, even when they, they were running it, they're trying to wear out the clock, they get to a third and long, and they still find a way to get it, right? Sure, one of those came as a defensive holding, different things that way, but they weren't afraid to take the right shots at the right time. And, and it could have ended poorly. It could have been an interception. Granted, we don't know what that would have looked like if there was no holding, so it's different. But I think that's the that's the game, right? Is is yes, three touchdowns in a typical game for Utah, that that might not be a, a great scenario. But the defense stepped up. You had, you know, them do everything that they needed to. You know, Cam Ward, I think if I remember right, he threw for 83% accuracy. I mean, like, he was he was hitting targets. It wasn't a matter of uh, being an effective. 20, 27 of 31 for yeah, 222. That's incredible. And one TD. Yeah. But the, but the thing is, like, even with that, Utah's defense made it uh, really not a factor, right? Like, I, I can't remember 
other than maybe that touchdown that Clark fell, really a big play that that changed the tone of the game, right? There was a lot of little passes, and, and not all of them were, right? There were still some that were 20 yards or whatever it may be, but there wasn't anything that necessarily harmed the team, and, and it showed this defense is, is willing to step up. They're willing to put more pressure. They had four sacks in the game. Uh, they were able to get in the backfield a little bit more. They were actually just rushing four guys most of the time, uh, which allowed that defense to be able to you know move around. They had more guys available to be able to protect and, and do different things that way. So, I think you know you know like Solo said, it was a team effort, right? And and we heard that from Muhammad Diabate at the end of the game. Uh, just you know, I I I had asked him like, how do you summarize that? And he just said, team win. Uh, and it's hard to argue with that, right? Like it was a it was a game that was very much so a team effort. It, it took the defense playing well. It took the offense doing everything they could to be able to do that. But then to have Bryson do that with basically no reps under his belt this week, that, that says a lot. I, it, yeah, and you said he did admirable. I, I think that he, given the circumstances, I think that he, he played better than you could have anticipated. Um, that was a tough situation for him to get thrown in and for him to respond with the attitude that he has and, uh, kind of the grit. It you know, it, it it's crazy because a lot of these these uh, you know just the the casual fan they don't realize that everything that goes into like the game plan mm-hmm. and the preparation and it's not like um, it's not like Bryson's get not getting any reps all week but he's not getting the majority and when we say ma- majority I'd say I'd probably say it's like an eighty twenty split where Cam's getting the 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 far out majority of these reps and. That's kind of how you get better. That's why making it to a bowl game is so important for a young team because you have that many more practices that you can dish out reps to some of the younger players too. And, and, and that's just a reality. They, you can't, you only, you're, you're limited to a certain amount, like an X amount of time that you're able to go out every week and practice due to NCAA rules. And so it's, it's not like Bryson's out there, you know, getting the same amount of reps as Cam. He's not, you know, the game plan is obviously featured towards Cam Rising because that's your starting quarterback. And it's not like Andy Ludwig had all this time to adjust. You know, th- this is this is monumental for this program because well, in years those, past, those plays you had, are scripted, had, right? Like, that's that's the yeah. nature of it. Like Andy has has spent the entire week scripting those plays for Cam, especially for Cam. If he's going to go yes. right. Like he's going to go, and right. he's the one that they planned for. So 30, 40 minutes before the game, that's not easy for Andy to just say, "Okay, we're going to scrap all this." That's not to say Bryson no. can't run all that, but it, it 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 takes effort on all levels in the sense that you know Bryson had to be able to perform, but Andy had to be able to change the offense in a way that was going to be effective right and, and we saw that on the opening drive where the, they were able to move down the field and it wasn't just running every play you know the, bryson was able to complete some good passes he was able to you know run the ball and you consider that utah's down to their potentially third string running back uh you know and Jalen glover uh, and e- even their fourth string running back in jaquinda jackson like that that was impressive against a really stout washington state defense that had been, you know, pretty good. They held Oregon State to 24. They held USC to 30. Um, granted, they gave up a ton to Oregon State, but they were they only lost by three. So I feel like, you know, they beat Wisconsin on the road. It's not like a uh, you ran over this this poor defense. That was a really good defense that you were able to to go toe to toe with. And you know, the the critical thing is when when the game's on the line and you make those critical plays, right? Um, you, you could kind of felt uh, the tension when Jaquindon Jackson fumbles right after, you know, a previous drive three and out and Washington state's only down, I think it was 21 to 14. So they're going down to score and Utah's defense stiffens. They did what they needed to do to get 
Washington State to 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 go for a field goal. I mean, I think they got the ball and they got like the thirty five or thirty seven yard line. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, they got one first down. They got into the red zone and they they forced a field goal and and that was the game changer. Had Washington State scored a touchdown, that changes everything because now Utah has to match right. And you already missed a field goal, so are you gonna are you gonna try the game winning field goal? Are you gonna you know preferably you're you're gonna punch that into the end zone? But that changes everything. So. The way that Utah responded to every, you know, punch, counter punch that Washington State gave them was really, really awesome to see. And, you know, for, for Utah's depth, I can't, I just can't, you know, say how different it is, you know, in years past. It, it reminds me a lot of like a game that Utah played against Cal and their starting quarterback got hurt. I think it was Travis Wilson. And your backup was a guy named Griff Robles, right? He could barely throw the ball five yards. And that's not to take anything away from him. He, you know, he, he uh, he was the best option that Utah had at the time, but that's how far Utah's depth has come. Is you have a guy that has thrown for a touchdown pass in the Rose Bowl as your backup quarterback, and Utah hasn't had that luxury. Uh, it was like when your when your starter goes down, you don't have a plethora outside of maybe the running back position. You don't have a plethora of options, and so Utah is building up that Pac-12 depth, and we saw that. You know that if if you were to to package that up into a product, that would be the game that we saw on Thursday night uh, against the Washington State. Granted, you, you you would have liked to see you know more of the starters return to the lineup. Grant, it was off a of bye week, um, you, you know, but uh, that's just the way things go. So hopefully, you know, you look at Cam, somebody like Cam Rising. We're not going to go into specifics, but he hasn't played since the USC game, so he's now had he'll have had three weeks of rest. Uh, before Utah takes the field against Arizona on Saturday, is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. By the time they take the with, time. with the with the bye week, and then you know, essentially not playing uh, this week against Washington State, so that that's going to be huge. Um, it's going to be huge to to get some of these guys. We did learn that there are no season ending injuries, so you know, prayers up for Dalton Kincaid, and hopefully Utah can get him up, back on the field as soon as possible. Um, you know, and uh, we'll see how Utah can respond. Um, you know, this Saturday against a very, very, very good offense. This team is top 20 in most offensive categories in the NCAA, but they're like bottom 10 in uh, defensive categories. So Utah's going to have to put up a lot of points to, to keep up with uh, Arizona in this one, I think. Yeah, I th- I, you know, this is going to be one of those games where I, I, I think in years past, everybody would just say, oh, you know, Utah's going to gloss over Arizona. It's an instant win. I don't necessarily think that's the case uh, this year. They're, Utah's favored by 18 points. So clearly Vegas thinks that Utah has the, the potential to, to really make this a, a big game. But at the same time, like that offense, you know, they've got a mobile quarterback in Jaden Delora that is is solid. He obviously did really well for Washington State before he transferred to Arizona. And he's got a plethora of, of wide receivers that have done some phenomenal things. They've had some phenomenal catches this year. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be another tall task for a Utah defense that, that really needs to find its foothold, especially with R.J. Hubert out that first half due to the targeting call. Uh, you know, Utah appealed that targeting decision, and the NCAA said no. So uh, he will sit out that first half. Um, but but I, I, I guess more to your point is, is just Utah's built in a different way than they've ever been, right? Like we, we've seen in years past where a player goes down and instantly that team's over, right? You, you look back even at that 2018 year when uh, Tyler Huntley goes down and then you also have Zach Moss go down. I mean, those are two key injuries, and, and most teams are going to have a problem if their starting quarterback goes down. 
But the same thing is, is you've got guys that can do it, right? Is it going to be perfect? Is it going to be the same level of, of um, production and, and efficacy? No, but at the same time, you're, you're doing it in a way that's, that's allowing your team to be able to be successful, where you can absorb some of these things. Years ago, you lose Brant Keithy at the beginning of the season, and that's one of the biggest injuries that you could have had, right? So I think this Utah team is, is built a little bit differently. They've done well. They, they're, they're, they're finally into a full Power 5 depth team. And, and they're doing what they need to. So, look, I, I, I still think there's question marks going into this game, right? Like, a, you know, with Dalton Kincaid, you know, I think you can be optimistic that, that he's able to play for, you know, at po- some point this season. I don't know if it's going to be this Saturday. I'd probably say it's doubtful that he plays this Saturday. If he does, that's gravy. But the reality is, is Utah has the guys that they can do it, right? Especially against a defense that, that, has, that has not been great this season i mean the only the only team worse than them is colorado in the pac-12 and that says a lot right <laughs> I mean, they're, but they're pretty neck right. and neck in a lot of those things so look there are opportunities here for utah it's going to be a, a so, offense. Here, here's the points that they've given up over the last three games usc they gave up 45 washington they gave up 49 oregon they gave up 49 against colorado they only gave up 20 but then against cal they gave up 49 so you know, four out of their last five games, they've given up nearly 50 points. Uh, that, and, and that should be the barometer for Utah. Like, you know, you are you on par with some of these other Pac-12 offenses? And I would say, yeah, you are. Can't, I don't see Utah scoring that many points. I see Utah doing a more control the clock kind of game, uh, similar to what we saw against Washington State. But, you know, I – I, uh, I I still think that uh, Utah's offense should be able to put up some good numbers. Um, it'll be a uh, you know can they stay on the field on those you know critical third downs against Washington State for the majority of the game they were they were seven of fifteen which is pretty good, uh, not great but not not bad either. Uh, and we, we it ended up in a in a win for Utah. So uh, if you get if you get Cam rising back, it obviously makes things a little bit easier. But as we've seen, Bryson can can carry the load and. Uh, and do enough to, uh, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see. Like we 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 won't know until closer to kickoff, like who's going to be the starting quarterback. But it'll be inter- interesting at, from a team perspective. Had Bryson been given the whole week of practice, would he have been able to perform better? And the obvious answer is yes. He would have. Like the game plan would have been tailored to him, specific strengths um, and things that he would be, um, you know, excelling at. They would have called that a little bit more. I think we would have seen uh, a little bit more. Bryson designed run plays. We saw the one. He went for 55 yards and a couple key scrambles, uh, and then they kind of got away from it. So uh, it'll be interesting to to see, uh, you know, how Utah kind of goes forward. Your next two games, you've got uh, a good offensive team in Arizona, but, you know, pretty mediocre defense. And then it's almost the exact opposite the next week in a pretty – pretty good defense in Stanford, but, uh, you know, I, I think their offense is, is, it's non-existent. So, um, it kind of the, the tail of the two, to the two opposites in, in your, in your next two games coming up. And then, you know, you don't want to get it too far ahead of yourself, but the one after that is the, the one that the season hinges on. Uh, can you, can you be the first to, to knock off Oregon, uh, in Pac-12 play? Cause many teams have tried and they've all come up short. Yeah, this is the, you know this is a great opportunity for Utah, especially with where they're at with injuries. You get the bye week, you you get three games that should be winnable, right? In the sense of Washington State, which was winnable. Uh, you get Arizona and then Stanford at home. I mean, two games that Rice Eccles alone can help will Utah to a win. Uh, that doesn't mean that Utah can't lose these games. Absolutely, they can. 
But I think it comes at a good time where you're allowed to to kind of maybe hill up a little bit some of these guys that are dinged up. Maybe you get Makai Bernard, who who has a little bit more rest. Dalton Kincaid obviously needs that. Uh, it, it, there, there's going to be other guys out there that, that are getting banged up. They're getting hurt. You know, you, you're starting to get to the point where uh, you lose a guy for two, three weeks, and it's a season-ending injury. So it, it, it says good things that, you know, somebody like Dalton isn't lost for the season, that they have optimism that he's maybe, you know, a week or two out or whatever that may be. Maybe it's three weeks to get him for the Oregon game. Um, but, I, but I think Utah's in a good spot, right? They, they, they can't overlook anybody. Arizona's a good team. Stanford's starting to put things together. They're starting to do well. That doesn't mean their offense is really that good, but they're, they're, they're putting things together, and, and, and it can be a, a, a losable game for Utah. But, uh, you know, I think, I think the, the opportunities are there for Utah. You know, they've got to be able to do what they need to to, to really get back to that conference championship game. Uh, Oregon is really going to come down to that. Uh, that same weekend is going to be a UCLA-USC matchup, so it's going to be a fun weekend to be able to see how the Pac-12 goes. But uh, there's 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 a lot of happening around the conference. There's a lot happening around the country. There's a lot of teams that are doing really well, and and you know you have four teams in the top twelve from the Pac-12 in the in the AP top twenty-five, which is pretty crazy. I mean, most years we get two teams just ranked. Uh, this year you get four in the top twelve, and then you get Oregon State that jumped in at at 24. So look, there's, there's opportunities here. And, right? Washi- and Washington's in the receiving votes. Yeah. They're lurking. Granted, right? it, it'll probably be short lived. Uh, Cause they have to play Oregon this week. So, yeah, I mean, um, that that's the thing, right? Like it's, it's, it, there's only so many teams that you can get there. Right. And the SEC has the same thing, right? You beat each other up and, and everything. And, and by no means am I comparing right. the PAC 12 to the SEC, but you're, you're, you're getting, I, I, I do games. think the SEC gets a little bit of forgiveness, right? You sure. Know? So we have Georgia, uh, versus Tennessee, which according to the AP poll is one versus two. Well, is let's say Georgia wins, is Tennessee going to fall further than three or four? Probably not. You Depends know? on the game, and I if, guess. And if Georgia loses, they're not going to fall farther than three or four either. So, I mean, yeah, unless one of the teams blows the other one, uh, blows the doors off the other one. Uh, I don't see a, you know either team moving much out of the top five. But I think um, that's but that's that's, that's a pass that, that they get. Whereas. USC lost by one on the road, and you saw them nearly fall out of the top ten altogether. But, but yes and no. But I think in the same vein, because you have so many teams high in the in the Pac-12 ranked, that that does give them that opportunity, right? Like there is a difference between Georgia and Tennessee, one of those teams losing and them not falling a ton because the other team is highly ranked. Now, I mean, it was the same thing. Utah, were they twenty the week that they beat USC? I think they were. Mm-hmm. That that. USC didn't fall a ton, right? I mean, if Utah was unranked when they had beaten USC, I think you would have seen USC drop a lot further. But I think sure. you're starting to see that, right? And I think, you know, the Pac-12 still has a long ways to go, and it's it's only going to get more complicated when USC and UCLA leave. But you're getting more of that forgiveness in the rankings simply because, say, you know, voters are able to look at it and say, look, they played them tough. It was 43-42, there's no reason to drop USC all the way out or really low because the reality is, is that was a good game, right? It was two top 25 right. teams. And I think that's that's why a lot of people get mad at the, the SEC because it's like, oh, you know, number one team loses and they drop to number five. Sure, but they're also doing it against much higher uh, competition, and they're also doing it on a week-to-week basis where these teams are always good. So I, I think that's what's been missing from the Pac-12 for years is, is teams like that that are able to sustain the level of playing field for, for the Pac-12. You know, Oregon loses. They're not going to fall down a ton because it, unless they lose to, you know, like Cal or something like that, they, they beat them, obviously. But 
I, I think those things help the conference as a whole, and it's it's been a much better barometer for where the conference is this year, just to be able to see that that style. You want to do uh, weekly predictions here, or do you want to save that for another one? Uh, we maybe let's look back at maybe some of our our favorite games from the weekend, and then we can do our our you know when we uh, preview sure. Arizona, we can jump into that. Uh, so hey, for me, it started watching uh, Friday night. Well, obviously, uh, the Utah game was Thursday, so it was kind of just a relaxing weekend outside of watching uh, that that game. And uh, the biggest surprise was right on that Friday night, East Carolina going into Provo. Um, you know, I kind of sat on that game for a lot, and I was like, there's no way that BYU at home is going to lose four in a row. They they're, they have too good of a team. Their quarterback is just going to will their way to victory, and lo and behold, they lost. Uh, we saw some questionable decisions made by their coaching staff to to go for it on fourth down, and it, it was kind of like they weren't necessarily calculated. And it's always high, like we look back on it and be like, hey, had it worked, it's the best, best call in history. But because it didn't work, the situation that they were in, it really – put a lot on their defense when their defense, you know, quite frankly, hasn't been the same BYU defense that we're used to. Uh, so East Carolina got favorable field position multiple times to just be able to do what they do. And they got into field goal range. I didn't think the kick was going to go in, but obviously it was just high enough. A uh, squib kick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean uh, there's not much more you can say about that other than BYU is struggling mightily. And they don't get things any easier because they have to go on the road to a place that they have not fared quite well against a team that has had their number, uh, quite frankly, in Boise State. So that that uh, losing streak could be extended. The, the other game that you and I were texting back and forth on was the Ohio State-Penn State game. And it seemed like it was going to be this low-scoring affair. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter happened. And, you know, it was touchdown fest. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I what we saw from Ohio State's defense um, was was really something. Because we all know that Ohio State's offense can score at will. But it was their defense that stepped up, got a crucial pick six, nearly had a goal line stand at the end. I was like, man, like that that drive that Penn State finally had to score on was, was nuts. But uh, Penn State – uh, fought hard. They did uh, almost everything that they could, but you, tr- you turned the ball over too many times to a really good offensive team, and we'll see what you mean. We saw what happened. But what, what were the surprises for you from this from this, this past weekend? Yeah, I think you know, just kind of touching on that one real quick. I, I think it was good test for Ohio State to be able to uh, show that they it's they been are their only test. Well, it has. I mean, they had Iowa, but you can't you can't really claim Iowa because they Iowa. don't have an offense. I mean, quite honestly, they don't like it. It doesn't exist. So. Uh, I, I think this was a good opportunity for Ohio State to really say, "Look, we can we can play against the top teams in the, in, in in the league." Uh, Penn State's not, you know, Penn State's not Michigan. Let's just say that, like, they're not going to be in that same caliber. Ohio State still has a far more difficult test when Michigan is 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 playing them. Um, but I think it was a good opportunity for us to be able to see what this team is about. So, uh, to me, I you know I, I still don't have uh, any doubt that Ohio State is a solid team. I think their defense still has some things that they need to improve upon. But I mean, they're making strides, and and clearly, you know, their one defensive end. I'm blanking on his name right this second. JT, uh, I can't remember, but he, you know, he was phenomenal. I think he had a sack or a couple of sacks. He had a, a forced fumble. He had a fumble recovery. He had two interceptions. I mean, the, the, the guy just was everywhere for that Ohio state defense. And I, and I think that's really done them well to be able to have a player of that caliber. I mean, quite honestly, Ohio state has a bunch of players of that caliber, but I mean, you're, you're getting a team that that's really kind of shaping into a playoff form. And that was good to see. 
the 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 one game that that I was absolutely you know just kind of shocked by was that Ohio or Oklahoma State uh, uh, Kansas State game. You know, Kansas State goes up by 14. It was 14 zip early, and I just thought, okay, you know, good jump. They have their backup quarter. Aiden Martinez wasn't uh, there, uh, so they had their backup QB in. And I thought, you know, Oklahoma State's going to come back. They're going to do this. They're a good team. And then they just didn't, right? Like, it was just the weirdest game, and, and Kansas State goes in and wins 48-0. to Mike Gundy's shut out. I think I, – I, I, I can't remember the stats, but it just doesn't happen to Mike Gundy-led team where they just looked so listless, lifeless, everything that you want to describe there. To me, that was probably the, the craziest result of the weekend just because I was expecting that game to be a far closer game. But, it, you know, I mean, that's oh, the way it we goes. We all were. We all were. Like the majority of the picks, I think we had, let's see, I'll pull up the exact number. There was a 86% majority picking Oklahoma State to win. And I don't think anybody, you know, saw – Oklahoma State necessarily blowing Kansas State out, but we all thought it was going to be a you know a competitive game. Kansas State obviously found a weakness in Oklahoma State, and you you know th- this is where having those back to back tough games I feel like can really weigh on a team uh, like Utah had with you know they had UCLA on the road and then they had to go play USC the next week. In Oklahoma State's case, they just came off a big dramatic win over Texas. And I don't know if it was just like emotional uh, carryover the next week to go on the road to play a team with his backup quarterback, but it looked like Oklahoma State just lacked any and all motivation in this one. They couldn't get into any sort of rhythm. And credit goes, sometimes the other team just is is more prepared. They just want it more. And this was definitely the case there where everything that Kansas State did right – did was right and everything that Oklahoma State did was was wrong and credit goes to Kansas State's defense I feel like um I feel like Kansas State probably wants another shot at TCU because yeah for real. you know they they uh you know lost in the last second on that one but uh yeah that was uh that was the interesting thing in the Big 12 is um we thought that Oklahoma State was going to be the favorites you know uh outside of you know if TCU can hang on and keep winning uh, that would have created a you know another top ten Big Twelve championship game, but uh, Oklahoma State falls all the way from nine to eighteen, uh, and Kansas State moves up to number thirteen, and well deserved. That was a very 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 impressive win for Kansas State. Puts them right back in the thick of things. Yeah, and the Big Twelve is going to be an interesting uh, scenario this year. I mean, t- TCU hasn't lost a game yet, but they've also really just kind so of had to get it out. A lot of people are critical of TCU, um, saying that they're the the highest ranked weakest team, so to speak, in the sense that they just haven't played anybody or they've lucked into wins. But at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win. Agreed. Right. If you're if you're undefeated and you've faced every single test, I what is your take on that? Like how do you how do you perceive TCU and where did you have them in your ballot? I, I believe I had them at seven. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me questions about that actually. I just said, oh, they're they're a weak team. There's no reason they deserve to be even in the top 10. And I, I completely disagree. I think a lot of people want to sit there and say, you know, you lucked into wins. But the reality is, is they had to fight, right? That Oklahoma State game that they came back in, they had to fight, right? It's not just like Oklahoma State rolled over. And, and, and I mean, I guess you could argue some of that. But, but TCU had to fight. And they're doing that every single week, right? Like Solo said, like whether you win by one point or, you know, 50, like it's still a win. And I think that shows that this is a really solid team. Sonny Dykes has got his team rolling. Are they perfect? No. But like what team out there other than maybe a select two or three are really 
solid almost all all the time. Like this, this is a team that is doing really well. They haven't been in this area for a long time, and they're winning, right? Like th- that's great, and, and you're doing it against competition that is really solid. Kansas State, Oklahoma State. You're you're doing this against teams that are still ranked in the top twenty-five. The Big Twelve has is similar to the the Pac-12 in the sense that a lot of them have moved up, and they've got a lot of good teams. So why are we knocking them? Like I, I could they go lose one hundred percent? But like so could anybody else? So could any other team? So to me, there there's no reason to knock a TCU team that's doing phenomenal. Like it just feels like. They're not the the name, the sexy name. They're not Oklahoma. They're not Texas. And so everybody wants to just push them down. But the reality is, is Sonny Dykes has this team in a great spot, right? They, you know, as long as they continue this trajectory and they continue what they're doing, there's no reason they shouldn't be considered the top team in the Big 12. So to me, like, I, I think they still deserve that. I don't have any qualms about them being where they're at. Clearly, I put them at seven, so I believe that. It's not just because I'm trying to be in, in with the consensus. I truly believe that they're one of the top teams in the country, and they're doing a great job at it. Speaking of top teams in the country, the big game this week – Tennessee at Georgia, number two at number one, biggest game of the season um, oh, for sure for for college football. Uh, what what can Hendon Hooker do that no other quarterback has been able to do against a very good or Georgia defense, and and that is find find a way to get the win. Um, Georgia had a struggle against Missouri, but you know how much of that is motivation, right? And oh yeah, for sure, getting up for every game. Um, you know, and it just like Utah struggled against on the road against Washington State. Sometimes these these road environments are just hard to win. It's it's hard to win at Missouri, um, and as Georgia saw, just like you know, it's hard to win at Pullman. It's hard to win at Rice Eccles if you're an opposing team. So, I mean, do you do you see Georgia running away as the home favorite, or do you see Hendon Hooker kind of being the surprise and the darlings of college football this season? Oh, for sure. I think you know he's in my eyes he's the favorite for the Heisman, and I know we still got a lot of time. There's a lot of things to be played, um, but the fact that that uh, Georgia is favored by nine points is kind of a little confusing to me. Uh, it doesn't mean that Georgia couldn't win by nine points, but I th- I see this being much closer, if not Tennessee winning. And I think a lot of that has to do with Hendon Hooker and his ability to be able to make the reads. Uh, they he's able to make those tight throws. He's got you know a, a plethora of receivers. Jalen Hyatt is is one of his his favorite targets, and he's done a phenomenal job with it. That they they do well. The the thing is with me, and not with me, but w- that I see with Tennessee is is they they do a really good job of simplifying an offense. Right? It's it's very complex in how it is able to open up different guys. Uh, they've got a lot of great opportunities where you know Hendon Hooker doesn't necessarily have to think a ton. It, it, he does right at quarterback. You have to think a ton. But he's got different routes that open up different things for different people. And so he's got a lot of opportunities available to him. And, and this Georgia defense is going to have to be sound. They obviously have the talent. They've got the, you know, the physical attributes. Uh, they've got the ability to be able to stop Hendon Hooker. But like, how do they, how do, they do against that, that offense that is able to just scheme and do things in such a creative way that really forces defenses to get off their blocks, get off their assignments, get different things that way that that allows you know Tennessee to just really work at an effective rate. And Hendon Hooker is 100% behind that in the sense that he's able to make those throws. So to me, like this isn't one of those those scenarios where you know Tennessee has has gotten the benefit of of you know playing bad teams. No, if anything, they've beaten more good teams in the country than anybody else. And they're doing it at a high rate, right? Like they beat a good Kentucky team. This wasn't a Kentucky that is down. This is a really solid team. And they just 
destroyed them. Like this is this is this is a great Tennessee team, and I think Georgia is going to have you know their their hands full. Uh, they obviously have a great offense as well. They're, they're able to do a lot of things uh, on their side of the ball as well. So it, it to me, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be fun, and it's one that I 100% am looking forward to. I have been for quite a while, honestly. Yeah, this this game has been circled on my calendar as well. Let's move it closer to home. We have BYU traveling up the road to take on Boise State. BYU's obviously lost four in a row, uh, and they're hurting. Uh, Boise State, on the flip side, has won four in a row, and they seem to have found a groove since replacing their quarterback, um, what do you see happening here? Because this is a game where, you know, according to BYU fans that have put their picks in so far, only 26% of them are siding with their own favorite team in BYU. Is this is this a case of, like, do they have to win this game to go to bowl eligibility? Granted, they have three games left. They have this one, they have Utah Tech, and then they play Stanford. Um, is this the must win game? Assuming that they can beat Utah Tech. <laughs> Um, which I, I mean, Grant, I, I don't think that's too far fetched. But is this the <laughs> must win game? Is it this one or is it Stanford? I mean, which one are they going to win? And uh, it, are they going to win? Uh, that's a that's a tough question. The way that they're currently playing, and I hate to say that that BYU could actually go, you know, zero and five in the last you know five weeks. But I, I don't know, man. Like Boise State is playing some really good football ever since I, it was their offensive coordinator they fired, and then the you know Hank Bachmeyer mm-hmm. left. They've they've done a phenomenal job of of just being able to play sound football. They're back to the kind of the Boise State that we, we were used to, at least in a more competitive way, right? Uh, BYU is in disarray, honestly. Like I don't I don't know where they go from here. Uh, you know, the coaching staff is having problems. The players are having problems, and, and and they're all saying the right things behind the scenes and saying, you know, look, we've got to we've got to embrace the culture and we've got to do all these things. But the reality is, is none of it's working, and, and it feels like. For for BYU to pull off a win, they're they're an underdog in this game by seven points. To, to, for them to pull off this win would be quite a you know an impressive feat because I just don't I don't see them in a good headspace right now. Like the players are already down on each other. Like they can't even score on offense at this point. I mean they got they got twenty four points against uh, East Carolina, so it's not like they can't score. But things aren't just aren't working. They're not, they're not finding ways. Uh, they they don't look like they're playing loose. They look like they're playing tight. They're they're in their own heads. And I just don't see a Boise State game where it's always been that kind of head case game going in a favorable situ- situation for for BYU. So. Look, like I've I've picked four BYU the last two weeks and they've burned me. I'll probably pick against them this week and pick Boise State and they'll find a way to win. But the reality is, I just, I just don't see it. I think the odds are that that BYU loses this game, and then at that point you've got Utah Tech and Stanford that you have to win, and th- and that's not a guarantee at Stanford e- or with Stanford either. So I don't know. They're they're in a tough situation right now. What's the line on the Boise BYU game? Is it minus eight for Boise? I think it might be up to eight now, but it was seven I think when it opened up. Oh, minus seven. So, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, if my preliminary indication is that that Boise State's going to get the win, they've ex- seem to have had BYU's number in the past. And I don't, you know, the, the way that the teams are going in polar opposite directions, and uh, there just doesn't seem to be that course correction that we thought that we were going to see. Um, and so that makes the, the uh, you know, that Stanford game a must win for, for them to, to go to bowl eligibility, which <laughs> so it, it's motivation, right? Do, I mean, <laughs> do you really, I mean, can you really get up to, you know, can you really get up for a game knowing that your destination is going to be the New Mexico bowl, right? Like, you know, it's got to be pretty disheartening for the players when, especially when your expectations and your, you know, your, pre- your rankings in the middle of the season, I think they got up to as high as 12 after the Baylor win. 
And uh, now it's kind of like season's over and already looking forward to basketball season. So yeah. the good news for BYU fans is basketball season is like a week away. I, I saw it pop up in our scoreboard. So Utah plays uh, an exhibition against uh, Westminster, and then they have the, their first game of the season against LIU, if I'm not mistaken. You're correct. That, On the 7th. Yeah, there we go. The 7th. Uh, go up to the Huntsman Center. Get your tickets. This will be a this will be a, a fun opportunity to see uh, Craig Smith's team. And if not, then go up to the night with the running Utes. They're bringing it back this year. Uh, the COVID protocols are kind of put uh, – you know, put on, I, I think we're all done with that, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think it, it'll, it'll be fun. Let's get back to football. Utah plays Arizona. We think that uh, Arizona's defense or Arizona's defense has been pretty bad. Uh, their offense has been the polar opposite. They're one of the top 20 in the country. How do you see Utah handling this? Uh, especially with so many injuries and uncertainty. Uh, let's get your prediction on this one. Yeah, I th- you know, I think Utah comes away with a win. I don't know if it's 18 points. It, it very well could be more than that. Uh, I'm not necessarily concerned with the spread. I think the thing that I'm more concerned with is is can Utah's defense play like it did last week, right? Now, obviously, this is a much more mobile quarterback than Cam Ward. Uh, Cam Ward was good, but he's not as nimble as like a Caleb Williams or a, a Dorian Thompson Robinson or anything that way. So Jaden Delora is going to be a tough, tough match for him, right? And and so I'm curious to see, can they make those necessary steps to be able to be there? Crazy enough, Utah's defense actually leads the Pac-12 in total yards. They've been able to do well despite kind of being a relatively quote-unquote down year. Um, but to me, like that's that's kind of the story of the game. I, I don't doubt the offense will be okay. I think the offense can, can do whatever it needs to, win in a shootout, whatever it needs, uh, especially if Cam plays. But but I think the the real story of the game has to be that defense. If the defense can step up, Utah's going to be fine. I don't necessarily think that Arizona Arizona's going to uh, cause them problems that way. But it has potential where Utah does have to you know fight this out to the very end and, and have it kind of close like that USC Arizona Arizona game. So uh, to me, I, you know, I still see Utah winning. I, I think this is is one that they're they're not going to overlook, and I think it's going to be a, a good stepping stone to to the next week against Stanford. This is a game where I see Utah. That eighteen point spread just seems way too high. Um, I, I think that Utah wins comfortably. I think they win you know by ten. But I don't see it being ever really put away. And, and that's more of Arizona just has nothing to lose at this point, right? Like they know that they're probably, you know, they're probably not going to make a bowl game. So what, what, I mean, they're just playing to have fun. They're playing for the love of the game. And when you play loose like that, things tend to go more in your favor than not. Um, and, and Utah, um, you know, they, they, they should on paper win this game by 18, but I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, this is a game where I see Utah, you know, getting a small, small lead and just kind of holding on to it throughout the game and kind of trading punches with a really good Arizona offense. But I'm curious to see how Utah's defense can respond. That they passed the test with flying colors last week, holding Washington State to 17 points. I mean, granted, they gave up 200 plus yards through the air, but more importantly, they only gave up two touchdowns. And that was the difference in the game where your offense only got three touchdowns. That was enough to win. Yeah. Um, and so this one will be very interesting because Arizona's offense is much better than Washington state's, uh, their, you know, uh, Washington state's offense was one dimensional. They knew that they had to, to, to throw the ball. They had zero running game, uh, and, and Utah was able to game plan against it. Arizona has a good uh, running back in Michael Wiley. They have a very good receiver in Jacob Cowing. So it'll be interesting to see the dynamic and how Utah adjusts. And, but I do see Utah winning by probably, probably around 10 or so. 
I haven't put my prediction in quite yet, but uh, I can see a 10 point win. Yeah, I think that's, a, probably, that's probably a safe bet. Somewhere honestly. Under. Yeah. I, I think like looking at that line 10, I, like, like we mentioned, like 18 is, is a, a, a standard that I think Utah easily could hit. Um, but I just think the nature of this game, you know, 10 would be a safer spread to me. Um, I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting, especially if Dalton's out. Uh, who steps up? Obviously, you've got Devon Vele. You've got Jalen Dixon. You've got Solo. Uh, you've got guys. So, Right. Uh, the other two games that we have in our pick schedule, we don't need to really predict them too much. But New Mexico goes on the road to Logan to play Utah State. Utah State has injury issues, but even then, they should be able to get the win here. It's a must win if you want to remain in the bull hunt. Uh, they're sitting at 3-5, and five, and New Mexico's at 2-6. and six. This should be a game that uh, Utah State wins. The other game that we have is out of the ACC, number 20, Wake Forest, coming off, a, well, I think, an eight-turnover performance against Louisville, <laughs> uh, taking on number 21, NC State. This one could go either way. Uh, it's offense versus defense. NC State's got the defense. Wake Forest has the offense. When they don't turn the ball over, I think Sam Hartman's a really good quarterback. But, uh, I, I mean, eight turnovers in one game, that's that's unheard of. Yeah, it's almost BYU esque. <laughs> it's been a while since that happened. I, I don't, I don't see another performance like that for Wake Forest, right? I mean, that, those are the, one of those no, there's aberrations. There's no way. There's no way. So I, I think that one's a close one. So, yeah. Anyway, go to KSL.com. You can participate uh, in our Pick'em contest. We can, uh, we've given away weekly gift cards from Golden West Credit Union. Uh, you sign up today at KSL.com slash sports slash Pick'em. You can also go to KSL.com, uh, click on the sports tab and create your own top 25 poll. Uh, and you can actually vote just like Josh gets to do every week in the AP poll. And you can see how the different fan bases are, are voting in the AP poll so far. This week, George is the clear favorite, uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see after this game against Tennessee if they can hang on to that number one spot. Yeah, thanks for listening to us. Uh, we appreciate you coming each week and, and listening to what we have to say about the games. And obviously, we want to thank Solomon Inez for for coming on each Monday and, and chatting with us. I think he gives us some great perspective in the game that, that obviously Rob and I can't can't provide so uh check us out each week let us know if there's anything that you want us to talk about if it's ice cream if it's chicken sandwiches candy kit kats if you want to give us some kit kats we'll take them too we're not going to turn away kit kats Um, but thanks for listening and uh we will chat with you guys later